This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. We have an update today on 86-year-old James Acker, and I'm afraid it is not good news. Back in February, we first told you about the brutal beating he suffered at the hands of another resident at St. Joseph's Villa in Dundas, which is the long-term care home where he was living. He's been in hospital since then, and his health has been steadily declining. The family has been told he may only have a few weeks left, and now it looks like he won't even be able to get into palliative care, which is where he could spend his final days the way he and his family would want. We'd like to hear from you. Um, This is a huge issue, resident-on-resident violence. It's uh, only going to get worse as more and more people end up with dementia because they live longer. The number's to call 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. One eight six six seven forty four seven forty. We have two guests with us today. We have Jane Medes from the Advocacy Center for the Elderly. But first, let's go to Tammy Carbino, who is James Acker's daughter. Hi, Tammy. Hi, Libby. Uh, so sorry to hear about this. Thank you. So, give us an update. What has been happening? Um, my father, I, I was away from him for 12 days. I was away over March break with my family and then had strep throat for five days. And when I returned to the hospital on the 24th, I saw a completely different person. Um, I spent the 24th of March and the 25th with him. And at that time I called the nursing staff and said, what has happened? He, at that time, was having difficulties walking. He was not really talking. He wasn't eating. He wasn't feeding himself. When I put a spoon in his hand, he'd drop it. And just 12 days prior, before I left on my trip, I was walking down the halls with him, hands in hand, swinging arms, singing, you are my sunshine. We went for fish and chips in the hospital. Um, So after I told the nursing staff, you know, something's wrong with him, I actually said, he's dying. Something's happened. What's happening to him? The nursing staff said, oh, yeah, we had noticed a bit of a decline. Five days later, I requested requested a meeting with his medical team, and five days later, a CT scan was done, and they found a significant, sorry, I'm very emotional, a, a significant amount of blood on his brain. Oh, dear. So, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. So they did a procedure to hopefully bring him back, which was to drain the blood. But unfortunately, too much damage was done. And his brain had shifted by nine millimeters. And um, he has not come back from that procedure. So he is um, in the hospital 
in palliative care, and he's passing. So he's getting palliative care in the hospital? Yes, well, he's on palliative care. That's what it's called. So, yes. But do you you want him shifted? Did you want him shifted to another type of facility as as opposed to a hospital? I did. I wanted to bring him home, but they don't think that there's enough time. So the doctors, we were there, um, I've been there all week, all last week, and um, the doctor, I saw him on Sunday, he was surprised that he was still living at that time. Wow. And but it's worsening day by day. He's, Saturday, we actually had a couple of good moments, which is not uncommon um, when someone's passing. We've been told that they can perk up a couple of days before, uh, which he did. Um, and then the last couple of days, he's just been completely unresponsive. And, um, I mean, are is everyone sure that th- this this happened because of its of the of the beating he took a couple of months ago? The doctor, the neurosurgeon, would not confirm that. Um, he said it's it's likely, um, but he couldn't say that it is definitely a result of the beating. But of course, after the beating, um, when a CT scan was done, there was bleeding on his brain, and it had stopped. Um, Tammy, I want to go back. Uh, there was an investigation done by the province into this long-term care home. And they found that the home was at fault, that they Mm -hmm. did not protect your father. So what happened after that? I mean, you'd think that would change things. Well, the home has the... Ministry of Health and Long-Term Care has issued a couple of compliance orders um, and voluntary plans for the home to act. So it's in the home's hands to change things. Um, and that, that's, that's basically it. That's basically where it's left. Um, let's bring Jane Medes into the conversation. Hi, Jane. How are you? Hi, Libby. I'm good. Hi, Tammy. Hi, Jane. Uh, so, so is that what happens? There's an investigation. Uh, the home is found to be at fault, and then it's voluntary. It's up right. to them if they take any corrective action. <laughs> well, yes and no. So the home is actually not investigated. It's actually inspected, and there's a real difference there because mm-hmm. it's not so much of a fault. Um, what they do is they look at the legislation, and they say, is there anything that we can that they did not comply with. Um, so the non-compliance, they did have, I believe, eight or nine non, nine non-compliances. Now, three of those have ended up with a compliance order. So those orders, they are required to comply with. Um, and those are things like in, uh, submitting a plan to ensure that people are protected from abuse, um, you know, make sure that, you know, one of the things was that they didn't comply with their own internal code for calling, a uh, policy for calling a code white. Um, and so those things, the ministry will come back and do an inspection, and there will be a requirement for them to comply with that. And if they're not 
um, they come back and they haven't done those things, there will still be a non-compliance. The voluntary plans of corrections um, are basically they say you've done something wrong, you have to do a plan of correction, but the ministry actually never checks them or determines whether or not they complied with them. And there's also something called a written notice, which basically the ministry just says you did something wrong. Um, in general, especially around issues of, of abuse, in this case, because it was physical, where there are uh, clearly signs that something happened, um, you know, there was a finding that there was abuse that occurred and that they, that they had not complied with their own internal policy. And the problem is that sometimes when there's abuse, it's, you know, maybe staff on resident and, you know, the staff just say, well, I didn't do it. Um, and so in those cases, um, because it was a he said, she said thing, there's all, because they don't investigate, they only inspect, they often find nothing. So this case actually finds something, whether or not you can say it causes fault, I'm not sure that the ministry would go quite that far. Wow. Yeah. Um, wow. Um, that that just seems uh, so unacceptable. Sorry. <laughs> I, I agree. One of the one of the issues that we've we've you know raised on a number of occasions is the fact that you know the people are going in who are inspecting our nurses. Um, they are looking at paper usually. You know, was this charted? Was that charted? With a, was a policy complied with? Um, but you know, often what we really need is a more of an investigation. Now, in a case like this, I'm not sure where it would get us. Um, but we do, you know, we've requested on many occasions that there be, you know, investigators, you know, ex-police officers. That does happen in some jurisdictions and in other areas where they can actually do a proper investigation. And what, what jurisdictions does that happen in? I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it certainly is something that has happened and could certainly happen here. Uh, um, and an investigation is a very different process. You know, it, it's a, you know they would make findings of, you know, determine fact and things like that. Well, uh, I know that uh, Tammy went to the police and that ended up nowhere, right, Tammy? That's right. So, I mean, the problem here, and that's a, that's a different issue. So the police obviously do have investigative um, powers. I don't know what exactly they did. I think what will often occur is that they will come in and they will investigate and when the police look at it and then in in coordination perhaps with the crown attorney they'll look to see if there's any possibility of you know of a finding of guilt and if the uh, person here who's alleged to have assaulted mr um acker if, if they actually you know are not mentally competent they may feel that they don't want to pursue it um now there is a potential of pursuing this through not to a trial, but a finding of not criminally responsible. Um, and that has, certainly has happened in numerous cases where that is a possibility. So they may not be criminally responsible in the way that someone to go to jail, but they may be found to be not criminally responsible and go into a psychiatric facility. But in my opinion, the home mm -hmm. should be found criminally responsible. Right. The home was caring for these two individuals that were unable to care for themselves. They were beyond the family's care needs. The home was responsible for those two people. And that, that is a really valid um, um, a complaint. I have not ever really seen a home, um, a long-term care home, 
being investigated criminally. There certainly are certain criminal charges that could be pursued, um, but it's something that the police generally, you know, really haven't done. Um, in this case, it's hard to tell from the report that the ministry published, um, because there is a public report that's available to anyone on the ministry's public reporting site, but it's so vague, and they are always so vague, to really not know what sort of what the facts are. But if they knew, and it would appear that there does seem to have been some history of um, other incidents, and we don't know what they were. Oh, so that, and that's not even, uh, you know, published. It's not even public. So it, it basically says, you know, something about the, the, you know, resident number one having had previous issues and, you know, as vague as to what the, that I can means. tell you exactly, quote-unquote, it says, the resident exhibited identified care requirements on multiple occasions in 2016. During a five-week period prior to the violent attack, the resident demonstrated on three other specific occasions activity patterns related to their care requirements. In other words, and it really seems unfair that they don't actually write something that everyone can understand, but what happened was five weeks prior to my father's attack, the resident exhibited aggressive, responsive behaviors. Right. And so, I know this because another family, two other families reached out to me and told me that that particular resident punched their family member in the face. Well, uh, I'm going to give the numbers out again because I want to hear from people what they make of this, uh, also about uh, your experiences, other experiences with nursing homes. Uh, You know, when we've talked about this before, we've heard about some people who actually worked in long-term care homes and some of the issues there, and uh, people, a lot of people have loved ones there. So uh, we would like to hear from them as well. The numbers to call 416 360 0740, toll free 1 866 740 740. I'm on the line with Tammy Carbino, who is the daughter of Jack Acker, 86 year old, who we told you about two months ago was brutally beaten by another resident with dementia at his long term care home. He's been in hospital ever since. It, it appears he's, he's had a terrible setback. It appears that he is at the end of his life, which he will have to, it looks like, spend in the hospital. And um, there, there's been a finding that the nursing home was at fault, but it doesn't look like they have to change anything. We're also on the line with Jane Medus of the Advocacy Center for the Elderly. And uh, ladies, again, uh, you know, what would you like to see come out of this? Well, I certainly would like, I mean, I think that, you know, whether or not there's criminal charges, and I think that is possibly there could be criminal charges. I mean, one of the problems is that, you know, we have things like, you know, the licensee that the nursing home has to protect people, but they, they never find people, and it's, it's unclear whether it's possible to find under a situation like this. Um, there is some changes to legislation coming down the pipe, but, you know, this homes really aren't held responsible. Even an order, for example, doesn't really do much. Um, I think police really do need to take, you know, into consideration, you know, what, what did the home know? And if they knew, they owe these people, it is not just a civil matter. And I know that often the police will say, well, you can sue, but, you know, this is a criminal. This is somebody, you know, may potentially, um, it sounds like, may die because of this. And they, they really should be either fining or the police should be charging. 
Absolutely. My father was basically murdered Mm -hmm. and nobody is being held accountable. And I do not blame the other resident who attacked my father. His needs were not met. For five weeks prior, he was exhibiting queer behavior that, you know, needed um, the support of BSO or that needed a care plan. And none of that was put into place. And I think the other problem, too, is that, um, you know, the the ministry has downloaded a lot of these cases into long-term care. And, I, you know, I can't say whether this was one of them, but where people really shouldn't be in long-term care or they need to, uh, you know, step up the amount of money. People are just being put into long-term care, and the assumption is that the homes are going to provide this care um, when they really can't and not on, you know, not with, this, with what they're being given. And if the ministry expects homes to be providing this level of care, they have to step up with money, and we know they haven't done that. Tammy, what would you like to see come out of this? First and foremost, I'd like to see the ministry change their inspections to investigations. Secondly, the ministry should be upholding the legislation and making the homes accountable. I'm not really sure how a bunch of written notices and a couple of compliance orders is actually doing that. And, you know, March 20th, there was a family council meeting at St. Joseph's Villa, and some of the questions were asked about further education, and the responses were that, well, we already do a lot of education. I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how that could be their response with something like this taking place. So those are just a couple of things. I'd also like the PSWs, I'd like it to be, you know, standardized, um, I have heard that there's a variety of different courses that you can take from six to eight months to just training on the job. I think there should be a standard of training. I think that there should be a a minimum. And when we look at children, when we look at putting our children into daycare, I think it's six to one ratio. I believe the ratios need to change. Two to 24 residents, two PSWs to 24 residents is unacceptable. The the PSWs are our frontline workers. I believe they're burnt out. I don't necessarily believe that they're at fault. I think that they need more support. And if this had happened in a daycare center, you can imagine. Exactly. Uh, I can imagine that charges wouldn't be laid. Exactly. And with 10,000 cases being reported last year, this is just absolutely unacceptable. I mean, to be honest with you, Libby, even in the hospital, for the nursing staff not to have noticed my father's decline until I called screaming and crying after spending two days with him going, what happened? He's dying. I swear to God, he's dying. And the nurse would be like, oh, yeah, we have kind of noticed a a decline. I'm thinking, like, the elderly is invisible, literally. Um, yeah, I, I find that extremely strange that they, they didn't notice anything. And this is in the hospital where he's presumably getting a, a level of acute care. Unfortunately, that's actually not uncommon uh, when, you know, people go in. There's really probably, you know, they probably saw him as somebody that there really wasn't anything more they could do for him. For him. And so they get often do get shunted off. And if you don't have, you know, we all know that if you don't have a family member there, um, you know, things do get missed. And I, you know, I had my, my own mother was in the hospital recently. And boy, you can imagine I was up, uh, she doesn't live in Toronto, and I was up uh, where she was making sure that she was getting proper care, even though she's competent, because I know what it's like. Mm-hmm. That, that to me is also a, a, a really 
scary thought. I mean, um, you know, I, uh, Sammy, I, I wrote a column about uh, this case for Zoomer magazine, and, and uh, it might be a selfish conclusion, but I thought, you know, like, if, if this ever happens to uh, me or my husband, you know, we don't have a Tammy who's going mm-hmm. to look after all of this. Mm-hmm. And no, it's, it's frightening. I mean, honestly, my advice to people would be, don't put your loved ones in long-term care until there changes. Okay, yeah, let's take a call from uh, Barb in Hamilton. Hi, Barb. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Oh, well, I'm devastated over this as usual. Um, I, I just feel for Tammy what she's going through. Mm-hmm. And I think we the standards have lowered. They were higher at one time uh, for the care for the elderly. But she is so right that, you know, they need more staff per capita there. And they, you know, some of these girls have come from foreign countries, and um, they really don't understand, I think, the whole concept of uh, the dementia when they go in that situation. So there is more training needed. Jane, but, would you agree um, with that? So I think I think there's a couple of things there. I, I don't know that the standards have lowered. I think what has happened is that the acuity is, has been risen, has risen. So, you know, when I started this, people were not as sick as they are now in long-term care. There's a couple of reasons for that. People are living longer is one reason. But also many of these people would have stayed in a hospital or a chronic care facility or possibly mental health facility, whereas now more people are being put into long-term care. It's sort of the go-to. It's our institutionalization. Um, With respect to the training, it definitely varies. There is now a minimum uh, training for new staff, um, older staff with grandfathered, but new staff. But I think still in that, there's really not enough exactly on the dementia, especially mm-hmm. in aggression and how to deal with it. Okay, Barb, thanks so much for your call. Well, okay, thank you. I am scared to death because I may end up there. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> right now you sound to be in good shape. Thanks, Barb. Well, actually, okay. Thank you, Libby. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, uh, uh, we are uh, running out of time for this segment. Uh, of Jane, first, uh, what would you like to leave us with? Well, I think we really need to go back to our politicians and say, you know, we need more. I know that we do have an opening. Uh, Minister Hoskins has talked about um, adding some changes to the, to the Long-Term Care Homes Act, and so this is the perfect time to get inspections made into investigations. We need more of them. Um, full ones, not just shorter ones, and we need more fines for things like, um, you know, not protecting our, our residents, and it's the perfect time, but you have to go to your politicians and complain. Okay, and Tammy, uh, again, uh, our sympathy with you. What would you like to leave us with? Thank you so much. I just want to say thank you to everyone that's reached out to me and my family and offered their love and support, and Libby, to you for covering the story, CARP, for all of their support, Um, I'm forever grateful. This has been a very obviously challenging time and navigating through it. I couldn't have done so without all of your support. So thank you. And and, Um, um, Tammy, thank you for sharing your story, because we hope at the very least that that maybe some good can come out of this um, for others. Absolutely. Okay, ladies. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. 
Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.